0: Once upon a time, there was a girl I knew who lived across the street, brown hair, brown eyes. When she smiled, I smiled. When she cried, I cried. Every single thing that ever happened to me that mattered, in some way, had to do with her.
1: Podcast, the weekly pseudo-academic roundtable of pop culture analysis with drinking and swearing. My name is Christopher Maverick, but you can call me Mav, and I am once again here... With my co-host, Wayne Wise. How's it going, Wayne? How are you, Matt? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. It's less cold than it was last time. Yeah. It's snowing. So I, I just jinxed that, but it, but it, <laughs> it's theoretically better. <laughs> and, and I'm also, I've been spending a lot of time watching politics that I do not want to talk about today because it has not been happy and fun. <laughs> <You're> right. <laughs> so, but other than that, I'm, I'm doing all right. And last week we talked about one of our, one of our earliest ideas for the show. And we said we'd been working on it for, I don't know, for like years, for like years. (laughs) And this week, so this week, we go the opposite way and talk about something that we just came up with, (laughs) like in in random conversation.
0: like A week and a half ago.
1: (laughs) A week and a half ago. That's right. (laughs) Because that's how this show works. (laughs) So what's the topic today?
0: Uh, We're going to talk about having crushes on celebrities and fictional characters. Yes. (laughs)
1: Yes, <laughs> this and, is and, 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 and is is that weird? Yeah, this is our
0: very special Valentine's episode.
1: Yeah, last year we did a Valentine's Day episode on secret shipping in books and movies that aren't yeah. necessarily canon, but that like you have. So we're going to go obvious. a different way this year. Yeah, we're going to talk about just the fact that you ha- you can have crushes on on fictional people or non-people and on celebrities who, well, you, I'm who gonna, you will never know. Right, who I'm going to argue are effectively fictional people. <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, that goes back to
1: mass theory, yes.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> and, um, so we got a couple of guests and the first one, the uh, uh, returning to the show from a few weeks back, Anna Peppard from from Canada, where all fictional girlfriends live.
2: <laughs> it's true. Hi, Anna. Hi, Anna. Hello, thanks for having me back. <laughs> thanks,
1: and you got invited because because I was so, talking to you when I had the idea. Yeah,
2: <laughs> yeah, I kind of pushed for this one because it is it's such yeah. an interesting topic and something I'm very passionate about
0: discussing. And you had some good ideas for it, so that, yeah, we wanted to jump on this. So. Mm-hmm
1: and second i also want to invite back someone who's not been on in a while but who has been on before a former student of mine brooklyn who also just just volunteered herself for this craziness hey brooklyn hey
3: i'm always <laughs> here to volunteer for craziness all day of- <laughs>
1: <laughs> And and brooklyn when when she read the blog she like texted me and she's like oh I, I I have lots of fictional crushes.
3: <laughs> I literally can't name a TV show that I watched without being like, "Yeah, I could marry half the cast." Like, <laughs> actually, it never happened.
1: <laughs> oh, you have not married a fictional person yet. <laughs> How you do that for now? <laughs> keep your dreams alive. You can do anything you set your mind to.
2: So, <laughs> I don't think I've ever watched a show that I've been really into where having a crush on one of the characters hasn't been like one of the top three motivating factors.
1: <laughs> I don't, I mean, I probably have, but I,
0: <laughs> uh, I mean, for, show, for shows I'm really into, yes, yeah, certainly.
1: Yeah. Cause for me, like, I mean, certainly. If I, if I like the show a lot, I mean, I shouldn't say there's none. I I don't think I. Nope, I was going to say Breaking Bad. I don't have a crush on anybody from Breaking Bad, but no, Jane, I, I miss Jane. Jane, the, Jesse's girlfriend that got killed. She was really, yeah. but I also like that actress. a <laughs> lot. So anyway, um, I, I think that part of it is just sort of, you know, it's a fictional world and they want you to like those people. So you grow to like them. And if you're crazy people like us, I guess maybe that you like them a little too much.
3: I don't think it's a crazy people thing. I think what it is is exactly that. They make these characters likable. And they, you know, if it's an animated character, they make them aesthetically pleasing to unrealistic expectations. If they're human actors, they pick, you know, either the trendy ones or the ones that best fit the aesthetic. But either way, they make them so likable that for humans who are terrible with their personal boundaries (laughs) and have no concept of keeping intimacy out of their personal lives, they go bananas over it. And they're like, oh, a pretty thing? That's (laughs) tragically flawed or not flawed at all. I want that in my life more often.
1: (laughs) Tragically flawed or not flawed at all.
3: (laughs) Yeah. You can't be balanced. You can't be like a little flawed. Like you either have to be like the perfect character or you have to be so absolutely twisted that everyone's obsessed with you. AKA that show Shameless that I refuse to watch that the internet drools over all the time.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. I think that there is a difference between the way because I I don't know, I I think that we have this assumption, this especially in this era of like sort of the mainstreaming of geekdom and like peak TV Mm -hmm. that we think everybody watches things fanishly. But I'm not sure if that's true. Like, I'm not sure if the majority of people crush heavily on characters or whether it's just sort of like, yeah, I like looking at attractive people. But are they really going on like, well, I mean, what I used to do when I was a teenager was, you know, go on news groups and like discuss the actor in question. Right. And do all of these kind of obsessive things. And I just I'd be curious to whether to know whether a majority of people do that, because I would suspect not. But I'm not sure about that.
3: I would think that people are split. Either they obsess over fictional characters or they obsess over celebrities. Some people mm-hmm. do both. But That's true. I don't think there's a person out there that I've ever met who doesn't have some type of romantic or sexual feelings for an unattainable person. And that's part of the draw is the fact that it's yeah.
2: unattainable.
0: Yeah, for sure. Um, uh, there's, there's a safety in that distance. It's, it's you know, I, I can crush heavily on this person who I will never in any circumstances meet in real life and actually have a, have a conversation with. Mm-hmm. So, so it's safe. That's you, why you, I said the, Yeah. You you can just assume like, well, of course they would love me if they knew me, but they never will. So.
1: Right. And to the extent where I said, I think that there are the fiction, you know, the celebrities are essentially fictional characters. I mean, as far as I'm concerned, I mentioned the biggest one that I could think of from my childhood is I I said, Danica McKellar, though, to be fair, as a child, as a 13 year old, I had a crush on Winnie Cooper, not Danica McKellar. And and Mm -hmm. Winnie Cooper, Winnie Cooper is not a real person and I knew that like I wasn't stupid <laughs> <laughs> like I understood that she was not a real person um but I, I, a found her cute and B I found her story on the show super endearing so mm. that was a lot of the driving force behind the crush and then growing older Danica McKellar just turned into an amazing person, which so I have a crush on yeah. the real, on the real her too. Except yeah. that like I don't know. I mean, for all I know, she's horrible in real in real life. But I prefer and, my fantasy of Danica McKellar, where she's the perfect person.
0: Well, and that's and that's it. If you follow a celebrity through their career, you, you mm-hmm. see them as different characters, but you tend to still like the person playing that part, right? Um,
2: well, and part of it, part it, of like the star the star quality of characters, you know, like in the way that an academic like Richard Dyer talks about stars and his. Ep- eponymous book stars um, that you know they have a star text right and when Mm -hmm. you are a fan of their character you tend to like all of their works tend to become imbued with that star text so you can kind of create a coherent person who's not the real person but is still based on like an iconic character of that it's that, that person is playing, yeah, yeah. Well, I like, because me, you know, I have like a huge crush on like Sunny Crockett from Miami Vice. But, you <laughs> but know, and I've, well, I've watched a ton of Don Johnson things just to like further that crush. But real life Don Johnson, like, I would not even want <laughs> to be in the same room with. Him. Room. <laughs> <laughs> and yet, his his Star Text I have like spent a lot of work on. Yeah, I, I th- that's that's exactly how I am with Skeet Ulrich. Is I like look at. The
3: majority of the characters he plays, and i 'm like, this guy is great like every age from the mid-1990s all the way up to 2020, like 10 out of 10, and then I see interviews with him and I'm like, "Mm, (laughs) hmm. Go back to your typecasting, please, and thank you.
2: (laughs) And yet, like, I mean, with your Winnie Cooper example, we do do a thing, too, where we we do want them to be that character. Like, I always have this hope, like, every year that goes by, because Don Johnson's had about, like, 15 comebacks, and, you know, his most recent one was, like, in Knives Out, where, you know, I wasn't sure which character I played, but I figured, where, what character he played, but I figured it was the racist. Um, <laughs> <laughs> spoilers. <laughs> but, um, <laughs>
1: wow. I didn't notice he did both Knives Out and Watchmen last year and was the racist in both of them.
2: Oh, I See, I didn't even know he was in Watchmen because I hadn't watched it yet, but um, that, that gives yeah, me well, another yeah. reason.
1: Yeah.
2: <laughs> but, but yeah, I mean, well, that's kind of been what he's been doing in recent years, but every time he has a comeback, I'm like, maybe this time he's going to be more self-conscious about his career and he's going to be like fun and not like self-serious and things that he's like a legitimate actor, but he never gets it. He never ever ever gets it.
1: See, you should crush on you should, you should crush on Winnie Cooper instead, because like basically, as, as an adult, Danica plays essentially endearing Hallmark characters who are exactly mm-hmm. Winnie Cooper, and then she goes and does math.
2: <laughs> I know. <laughs> I, thought, I thought she was a mathematician. That's yeah, yeah, I thought that was yeah, true. She's a, yeah.
1: she's a mathematician and Hallmark movie actress. Yeah, that's amazing. So <laughs> she does.
2: The
3: one she posts cute things me about me her so about her kids on Twitter. What was that about? um, Celebrity crushes is that there are two different, two very different kinds of celebrity crushes. There's the ignorance is bliss celebrity crush, where you're just Mm -hmm. kind of obsessed with their character or Mm -hmm. like their pictures on Instagram and you know nothing about their personal life. Or there's the you know what they do outside of their acting career. You know the, everything that they're in. And those are two very different kinds of celebrity crush because I think the one indulges a little bit more in the fantasy of a potential future with that person is more like oh well outside of their acting career they like math and I like math whereas the other one is just like wow look at this pretty thing it's like a piece of artwork that I'll never see in person
1: yeah but I don't even like math I just like that she likes it <laughs> <laughs> I mean I don't hate math but like she's clearly better at it than I am you know, yeah. you know it's like, and, and and it's just like oh you're Winnie Cooper And you're smart. That's pretty much
2: (laughs) it it feeds into the story about her that you've kind of built up for yourself in a way.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, she's going to hear this show, listen to it, fall in love with me, and then, you know, we're going to run away together. That's how that's going to work. I mean, obviously. I'm
3: honestly rooting for you. Thank you.
2: (laughs) (laughs) And I will honestly say I don't want any of my fictional crushes to actually, like, run away with me or even, like, have sex with me. They're like, I fantasize about them in a romantic way that's story based. But like uh, mm-hmm. I, I don't fantasize after that, like r- like the, that real part of it is like always mm-hmm. very missing for me. But I, I yeah, don't know and, and, well, I
0: would and it would really and, and I think that I think I, I thought about this earlier. I think this is a good place to talk about just you know, defining what crush is, because it, yes, to me it yes. doesn't it doesn't necessarily imply sexual attraction. Uh, I, no. I, I had this conversation with a friend years ago and, and we were both very similar, just that we meet people in our real life and we described it as having a crush on this person. And it's just very much about we meet someone new, they are dynamic, they're exciting. And there's that getting to know someone. And you, we just kind of feel a little bit in love with that person for that short period That's
4: of time. That's an admiration a crush.
0: Yeah. And mm-hmm. and, and it has nothing to do with with wanting to date them or or sleep with them or anything like that. Just really say it's just we use the word crush to de- describe just that feeling of, boy, right now, I'm just really into this really cool new person. Mm-hmm. And I, I think some of that ties into the fictional and, and the celebrities as well. It doesn't necessarily, you know, what I'm feeling here isn't a, oh, I want to marry this person and have their babies. Um mm-hmm. We really have no faults. Yeah, right, And just but admiring the qualities, whatever we perceive in them that we like.
3: Yeah, I I think that tends to fall into adoration and admiration in in terms of like a starry-eyed from a distance or a platonic enjoyment of that person. Mm -hmm. I think crushes whenever you do kind of have those either romantic and or sexual undertones in the dynamic that you've created in your own head. And I think that that has a lot to do with how you react to that person in in terms of you know are you going out of your way to seek more information about them or more content mm. with them in it are you going out of your way to bring them up in conversations that paint them as a fantasy? Or are you having genuine conversation about more the structure of that person or of that character? Like, I Mm. think that's kind of where those very, very blurry and crooked lines. I do both
0: of those (laughs) things with David Bowie. (laughs) I I, I will talk I will talk very analytically about Bowie's lyrics and 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 the characters he created, whatever, but he's dreamy.
2: (laughs) Well, I mean, I usually I usually have written academically about most of like the things that I like have crushes related to, but I do avoid most of the time talking about specific characters like I've never written academically about Daredevil, who's like my all time crush superhero, because I absolutely can't write about him objectively. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I've done a bunch of stuff on Lois and Clark lately and talking about Dean Kane, who was one of my ultimate teenage crushes, although Terry Hatcher is also a crush of mine. So I'm kind of boring between the two of them. But Dean Kane, another disappointing in real life. <laughs> <question>. <laughs> See,
4: I
3: tended to fall away from celebrity crushes. And for me, I have a very strange dynamic with celebrities in general. My My father and my mother are both in the entertainment business. Now they're not In LA, they're not working on, you know, crazy, huge projects as the main characters, but they were in the they were literally like background extras in movies that were on the TV in my home or they worked on sets with, you know, character or not characters with actors that I loved growing up. They'd be like, oh, yeah, like I met this person or I worked with this person or I taught this person a skill or, oh, my buddy went to lunch with him two weeks ago. So for me, there was too much reality. To really develop celebrity crushes it, it, it they were too humanized for me mm. to put in crush because then I felt like I was doing myself or doing them a disservice by creating some expectation for them so for me I was constantly like flaunting over characters whether they be characters played by real actors or the entire Teen Titans for my <laughs> age 5 <laughs> through age 15
2: you know well, like, well I mean it, it's funny the way like our language is getting so tangled already because I mean I'm saying Dean kane but I really specifically have a crush on like his portrayal oh, of Superman Clark Kent <laughs> in Lois well, and Clark. Yeah. But then I just say Dean kane instead, even though I don't have a crush on him and anything else he's been in. It's really just that one role, mm-hmm. so it's so confusing. But yeah, that's really interesting about yeah, like having I have a little bit of what you're talking about. I think with athletes because I was an athlete, and then I I have a little bit of a like weirdness about that though. I. <laughs> Being that I'm a I, white girl, I, I think that there's weird stuff. I had a sibling that was an athlete, like yeah, a, a, a
3: national athlete. Like I could, that that to me was weird. Just like, what if they were friends? That's creepy. <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, yeah, I definitely have that with the whole. I could never, ever, ever have a crush on a professor because my father is a professor. <laughs> so that mm-hmm. gets us into creepy territory. But I mean, it's it's basically what you're talking about, right? Like having too much of a personal
1: thing. Well, I'm asking, I'm wondering then, like how, so we use the word crush here. That's how we, how we titled this episode. And we're talking about, yeah. You know, be we talking about Johnny Depp or, or Dean Cain, or we're talking about Clark Kent or Winnie Cooper, fictional characters or real characters. But is it the same thing as a crush on the cute girl or boy who lives across the street or a crush on, you know the you, you know I'm, I'm not someone that you meet with the explicit uh, like sometimes you meet people on like on a dating app or something you meet somebody on tender you meet somebody on on and or in a singles bar and there's a there, that's definitely a okay I'm taking an active interest in you because this is a dating kind of scenario or there's also the thing where oh wow the barista is really cute you know like <laughs> like that like, like, yeah. like I think of that as a crush whether I'm intending to follow through on it or not, if you don't know them, you can, if if right. you don't know them at all, you can fictionalize them.
3: Right, exactly. You can you can romanticize the living daylights out of that person. I think where the the reason why the verbiage gets so muddled is because we've taken probably like eight or ten different concepts and roped them under the word crush. Even though I'm sure in other languages, especially like German, where they have a different word for every feeling, like I'm Mm -hmm. sure that there are eight different words for what we use as crush. There's one for, you know, romantic. There'd be one for like sexual. There'd be one for wanting follow through. There'd be one for from a distance. Like I feel like I feel like we just don't have the vocabulary in the great U.S. of A and Canada. Don't want to disclose. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like that vocabulary just hasn't been built in a descriptive enough manner for us to not sound like idiots when we're saying things like, yeah, I have a crush on this person, but I don't have a crush on them because I have a crush on their character. But like not them, but also them. Like Mm -hmm. we just don't have the verbiage.
2: And yet, like, it would still be complicated, I think, because it is all of those things. I mean, I was sexually attracted to like Dean Cain's portrayal of Clark Kent. And yet I also wanted to be him. And yet I also didn't want to actually have sex with him. And yet, I also was like attracted to the story of it. So it's just, it's like all of those things. Mm-hmm. It's just like yeah. all of those things in different measures.
0: I'm going to zero in on, on something mm-hmm. you just said, Anna, because but it ties in with one of the comments we had on the blog as well. That idea of wanting to be him, that projecting yourself into these characters. Uh, one of the comments on our blog from from an old friend of mine, Anne, talked about identifying with these characters, having crushes on characters. She was very specific about some anime and manga characters. Yeah, yeah
2: I did read her comments. Comment, but yeah, tell, uh, tell
0: us about it. But just that, that idea of she she crushed on these characters, you know, to use the terminology. But a big part of it was wanting to be those characters. To you, know, whether it was cosplay or just to project yourself into these characters, because there were qualities about that person she wanted to embody. So, you, in that case, is it crushing on the character, or are you crushing on qualities that you either see in yourself or don't see in yourself but want to? You know, it, it gives you permission to, like any cosplay, it gives vicarious. you permission, yeah, live vicariously to explore these feelings, yeah. these ideas through through another character. And in some ways, you you crush on them, you fall in love with this character because they are exhibiting qualities that you want to have yourself. Mm-hmm.
3: There's actually a very hilarious term for that that uh, a lot of women in the LGBTQ community use quite frequently, which is wife goals, life goals. Mm -hmm. I either want to marry them or I want to be exactly like them. Mm -hmm. And that is a term that I use probably once a day. (laughs) (laughs) Only once? (laughs) Honestly, Because I'll look at characters or celebrities or real people and I'll blatantly be like, they are wife goals, life goals. I either want to, to be with that person all the time, or I want to transform myself into their aesthetic or into their confidence or into their storyline. So that is absolutely like a concept that I, I feel like a lot of women in the LGBTQ community can relate to because there's this constant struggle of like, am I attracted to this person or do, or am I envious? Do I want to live vicariously through them? Do I want to try to be more like them in reality, or do I just kind of not have my brain figured out for how For, for
1: listeners who haven't heard Brooklyn on the show before, she is specifically speaking about Harley Quinn right now. Just so you know.
3: <laughs> <laughs> so I moved a little bit past Harley. I can say that her her and Joker's relationship has me a no bueno. I'm a little
2: over that one, but yes, no Harley back in the past. <laughs> Margot looks amazing in the movie though I haven't seen it yet mm.
1: it's good I liked it <laughs> it's not it's, doing it well seems, but it's, it's good well, I know.
4: It's, <laughs> I people have been saying Martin good things about yet, it but. mostly just because
3: I'm too in love with Margot Robbie so <laughs> It's a good enough
1: movie. we'll probably talk about it in a couple of weeks but uh, um it, it is it is a it is definitely a good movie that is being marketed poorly it is a very good harley Quinn movie there's no joker in it well there's very limited you see the back of his head <laughs> it's it's <laughs> Actually, not a joker that's movie.
3: for me Um, i actually don't so so the joker is a fascinating example for me because i unlike most of the examples we've talked about i have had a huge crush on jared leto but his portrayal of the joker made me both dislike the joker and him as that character like i'd rather follow actual jared leto than mr gangster joker creepy dude with too many gang members
2: Yeah, I have to say, like, some of the Jared Leto's a hard one for me, too, because I mean, he was one of my uber crushes as a teenager from my so-called life and, you know, was part of like my sexual awakening. So there's been such a like fandom backlash against him just as a person in general. And then I always find that really tough because I'm like, I'm always going to have that kind of loyalty to him as like someone who meant something to me in that time of my life. And I like mm-hmm. find myself being a defender of his, even though I don't care, like I don't have any loyalty to him beyond that one part. And yet, yeah, I don't know. And yet he still means something to me. So like I find myself defending him. <laughs> well,
0: I, one of the the people I mentioned in the, the blog entry, the, the the rock and roll crushes, I you know, when I was what, 16, 17, I saw the cover of the albums of The Runaways. I knew nothing about them, but you know, that, that cute blonde singer, Sheree Curry was just, you know, I, I had a crush on her at the time and then she fell off the face of the map. Really. She's had a resurgence. She's recorded stuff in the last few years. Mm-hmm. Um, I, Saw her live in San Francisco three or four years ago. Uh, met her after the show. I have pictures. Um,
1: you and the you, other seven people at the concert. Yes.
0: Yeah, well, yeah, no, it, it was actually a fa- fairly full, small bar. Um, oh, good she, did a, she did a national tour. She played the hard rock here in Pittsburgh about six months later. I saw her again. Um and, and I read her autobiography and she had a horrible life of abuse and, and substance abuse and then this mm-hmm. sort of thing. And so I'm empathetic toward her. And I like, there was that, that meeting her is really neat because here's someone I had this crush on back in the day and whatever. And, you know, I follow her on Facebook and stuff. And boy, are we different politically. always disappointing yeah yeah in 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 ways that would be really incompatible but you know like I'm still glad I met her I still you know I I still have those those remnants of that teenage crush on on this person who you know a tremendous distance and always was um
2: that's like gets back to that narcissism of crushes right like I mean the way you feel about her the way I feel about Jared Leto is more about me than it is about them So like when we're nostalgic for that feeling, for that crush, for that person, it's really about being nostalgic for a past version of ourselves. Yes. Very much. I had
3: the same thing with a lot of fictional characters, especially in books. I found this more in books than I did in anything else. Like even past comics is I would infuse the characters that I was liking. And I would match them with whoever I was genuinely interested in in my real life. Mm-hmm. I would try That's to put them together like some weird abstract puzzle and be like, see, they're the same person. Edward mm-hmm. from Twilight is the kid in my sixth grade class. Can't you tell? Mm-hmm. Like, it was just
4: really <laughs>
0: Well, as boy, as an example of that real life stuff back um, early 80s, I I met through I've, I was visiting friends in Florida. I met a, a girl there, a Japanese foreign exchange student who I had a tremendous crush on. And just into the story, nothing ever happened because it was we were thousands of miles apart and she moved back to Japan or whatever. Uh, we corresponded for a number of years, but I was meeting her and interacting with her Right at the same time that Wolverine was meeting Marco in the Mm X-Men books, yeah, like the last issue of the Wolverine miniseries came out. The week was the last time I ever saw her. So there was just this tremendous overlap in my brain of, Oh, this character I'm reading and really enjoying in comics and, and his love for this, this beautiful Japanese woman. And I just met a beautiful Japanese woman, you know, mm-hmm. and it. And, it, and I, I know that that played a part in my perception of that entire real life experience. Like I was connecting it to this thing i was reading in comics that i was enjoying and and even at the time the the weird synchronicity of that um just felt kind of magical
1: So there's a story yeah. in the, there's a, I know Wayne's read the book because I lent it to him. And I know Brooklyn's read part of the books because I assigned it to her when she was a student. Mm-hmm. But, um, <laughs> or she was supposed yeah. to have read part of the book. But this is, um, there was an, there's an essay in, um, a collection called Last Night a Superhero Saved My Life that talks about that exact scenario. He, he, the guy was talking about relating his high school girlfriend to Electra from Daredevil for the exact same reason in, in, in an essay in that i think that that definitely happens
2: well there's a great short story by jonathan jonathan letham i think in one of his short story collections a story about vision and the scarlet witch and it's like this couple who's like so in love that like comes over to his house for parties that dress up as vision and the scarlet witch and he hates them so much but they're so desperately in love (laughs) (laughs) I, i think the story i think the story is just called the vision but i'll have to look it up
1: I don't know. I think that this all ties together with the, you know, the thing I was saying before, where there's a difference between the crushes we have on real people versus fictional people. And in a lot of ways, the fictional people are better because... You know, (laughs) they they completely lack agency. They don't care about consent. They can't say no. Um, Winnie Cooper. I mean, Danica McKellar, if I met her in real life, might hate me. Winnie Cooper, I literally can't meet in real life. She is a character that existed on television. And that was 20 something years ago. Like she mostly exists in my head as this perfect, you know, 13 to 18 year old girl when I was 13 to 18 years old. So like that's that's where that's where that, you know, that's where the crush exists for her. In the same way, I think I mentioned in the blog that um, I'm in love with Audrey Hepburn. Audrey Hepburn's been dead for for a very long time. <laughs> <laughs> Close to 30 years. Well, yes. and, and it's and mostly funny you mentioned Earth. her. It's I'm funny mentioned in love her. with, with like, Holly Golightly, right? Yeah. I, and I, Sabrina I just, and, I, and, and several yeah, other Audrey just, characters. Just,
2: Side note, you know that I am a distant relative of George
0: Papard. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, uh, <laughs> I, I just saw Roman Holiday at Row House Theater around the corner uh on Monday. Um hmm. on the on big screen. Well, and it's funny you mentioned Audrey Hepburn. I don't think we've talked about this Mav. She's one of the characters in the characters in the next issue of Hutchpa we're doing, the, the comic yes, that I, I'm I involved that. in that that deals with Holocaust stuff. Mm-hmm. Um There's a really good biography of her that came out last spring by a Pittsburgh native, and I'm blanking on Mm -hmm. his name right now. Uh, I use it as as research. She lived in Arnhem in the Netherlands during the war. Uh, Her parents were Nazi sympathizers at the beginning of the whole thing. Um, Mm -hmm. She was a teenage girl who nearly starved to death in the midst of ongoing warfare for six months. Um, Arnhem is the location of the famous movie A Bridge Too Far. Uh, Mm -hmm. basically allied forces were attempting to capture this bridge to create a northern route into to Europe and it failed miserably Um, and she you know her her youth was surrounded by deprivation and she worked as a courier for the resistance uh, Mm -hmm. carrying messages and had this amazing fascinating really scary dangerous life when she was you know 14 years old um mm-hmm. and eight years after the war she wins an oscar you
1: know as in this right. glamorous role um, but yeah and she and, makes her far more interesting than she even was right and then,
0: and then that's it like <laughs> i always thought, thought you i'd seen about. what's that
3: i said talk about the tragic flaws i talked about before uh, how yeah. you either have to be completely perfect they have to be tragically flawed they have to have either well, depressing backstory so that way they're relatable and we sympathize with them and a little bit of it, of it is pity and oh I could I could make their life better a little bit of yes. that hero yep. complex comes in you're like man yep. I'm so mundane I'm an upgrade <laughs> from that <crowd>.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well I mean Holly Golightly is such a good example too because I mean she's the ultimate crush object I mean that's what the book is about Mm-hmm. I mean, she's like the ultimate crush of like the gay man who wrote the book, who like is inventing this particular character who's kind of a version of himself. Mm-hmm. Like, it's a really interesting example. I was going to write a dissertation on Truman Capote at one point, so I could go on.
1: I <laughs> love that book. Um, and nobody ever reads the book. People just see the movie. <laughs> but, but It's yeah, one it, of
2: my favorite books. It's a beautiful, I, beautiful book. Mm-hmm.
1: About his crush on Marilyn Monroe, his platonic crush on on Marilyn Monroe. So mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, it, but I think that that's you know what he's doing and he's got the benefit of the fact that he was a famous working author at the time but he was essentially taking his real life relationship with a real life person and fictionalizing it to be what he wanted and I think that in a way that's what we're doing when you know whether I'm crushing on on Winnie Cooper or Danica McKellar or the Little Mermaid right like all of these people that you know that I had crushes on as a a kid I'm, I'm, I'm saying as a Kid, as though you know, if Danica walked through the door right now, this this broadcast ends immediately. So, <laughs> yeah. but, but um, but like all these people that I had crushes on, like that you know, essentially part of it is. I mean, Brooklyn, you said taking me being mundane in real life, but what what I'm doing is essentially casting myself as the leading man in this fictional narrative, where they are, you know, where their entire purpose is to be my love interest, right? Like that's that's which, yeah, like to I, be fair, I would is what those movies are about, like you know, like I would be
2: with characters. Dean Cain's Clark Kent if I could be Terry Hatcher's Lois in that world, but I don't want <laughs> right. to be with him in yeah. my world,
3: right. <laughs> Well, I am going to slip this, into that. this amazing ability, which I'm sure everyone did. As like, whenever you watch like your your celebrity crush or character crush in a movie, and you see their co star, their romantic match, you start to get this little like. I, I wouldn't have made the mistakes they made. That made the <laughs> happen. I would have never let them get away from me for the whole 15 minute drama section. Like <laughs> you, you it, it's that whole, it, it's a lot of pride and it's a Oof. lot of, it's a, it's a way to boost your own ego. Unless you are a very, very sad person who watches rom-com movies and walks away and goes, Oh, I hate those movies. Everyone's so stupid. (laughs) What you're doing is that's just blatant envy. And you're going, I could never do that.
0: (laughs) I I think there's something we we should probably at least address a little bit is the dark side of this thing. You know, when the innocent crush on a celebrity becomes like real life stalking.
1: Yeah. Jodie Foster. Uh, There is
3: an amazing yet hilarious song. Has anyone here ever heard of the show Crazy Ex-Girlfriend? Yes. It's great. Ten out of (laughs) ten. (laughs) <laughs> In season one, the main character who later actually gets like a diagnosis and she goes through a lot of personal reform. But at the beginning of the show, you just look at her as like this quirky, weird character who has no concept of boundaries. She's got a crazy crush on this guy who has a girlfriend and she ends up getting a quote unquote girl crush on the girl on on her actual crushes girlfriend and the song is so funny because it starts off as like life goals i want to be like you and then it turns into like "Mm, maybe i actually have like a real crush on you and then by the end of the song she's talking about doing really creepy things like keeping her hair and stuff like that (laughs) "Mm, maybe i'm out of control it, it's the exact progression of, like, harmless to a dangerous infatuation of slash obsession
0: mm-hmm. with something. It's hilarious. Very, but really. And that becomes a, a very real thing for, you know, a lot of celebrities. I mean, there have been story after story of you know, people hiding in the rose bushes outside of Madonna's house or whatever, you know, where people take that. They, what we're talking about this very innocent oh if if mm-hmm. they met me they would love me and people who don't understand the fantasy aspect of that and actually mm-hmm. make the effort to meet them uh i mean the most famous example of that is what david Hinckley who tried to assassinate ronald reagan in an effort to impress jodie foster yeah
1: um a, and yes a four, a 14 year old girl at the time who knew nothing about him
0: <laughs> yeah uh <laughs> and and yeah so you know we we had someone attempt to assassinate the president and what james brady was wounded in that uh and and mm-hmm. crippled crippled for life i mean there were very real consequences that wasn't him stalking the president but he was doing it to impress jodie foster's character from taxi driver essentially yes um so he, I mean, he said it was you know, a love of jodie foster but if, if memory serves it's very specifically that that character
1: yeah. um well she was barely famous he it was a love of jodie foster as the character, yeah, he called her Jody, but yeah. essentially everything he loved about her was what he knew from this one film.
0: I mean, she she had been. I mean, she started really young. Yeah, she like
1: had friends, but she wasn't she wasn't Jodie Foster today. She oh, was no, Jodie no, Foster, she, child actress at the yeah, time. Yeah,
0: right. She had been in probably a dozen things at that point. But yeah, she wasn't mm-hmm. hugely famous. Um, but you say we we do say you know I've I've read stories where that happens with you know, movie stars, obviously musicians. <laughs> Uh, that type of thing. So there, there is Even
3: that. Right now they they have people showing up at their houses, yeah. I- expecting some kind of reward for stalking them. And like YouTubers don't even really get the gold star of celebrity, but they're still facing that problem of mm-hmm. enough people have seen their face or seen their content and created a delusional fantasy of how a life with those two people coexisting could be, and they break down personal boundaries and yeah. and at, <laughs> at points they're 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 breaking down physical boundaries. It's
0: insane. I'm going to make reference to something I think I said in last week's episode about mask, which is you know, with celebrities. There is you know, we relate to their character, you know, the the person on screen with music, the person on stage, the the persona that they are projecting. And you know, you listen to that album, and it's just like they are singing to me. There is this what I <laughs> refer to as an illusion of intimacy mm-hmm. because because they are public figures, we can read about them, we see pictures of them, we feel like we know them. Mm -hmm. and somehow that gets translated into so they must know me or (laughs) and and people have tough time with that that boundary um Mav, I'm going to do okay. the shameless self-promotion. I, I explored this. One of my my novels, uh, This Creature Fair, the, the basic premise of it. And first of all, there's the very personal. You, know, The main character is crushing on this obscure musician that he's seen from afar. He has the opportunity to actually meet her. It does go to that next step. So this is you know, very overtly playing out fantasies that I've had. It's that, you know, what if I got to meet one of these musicians that I really crush on? Um and and the musician in the book is is you know a mix of any number of different musicians that I've been fond of over the years. Since I write in in a genre of horror and urban fantasy, it very quickly takes that dark turn of you know, the basic premise of the story was well what if that celebrity starts stalking you? And then yeah, the, dark, that interesting, the, the, the interesting interesting twist. Then, I like and it. And then, and then the dark turn is what if they're not exactly human? So, <laughs> so, so, that's the premise of the books. So that's shameless self-promotion. Good um, plug. <laughs> but I, but it, it, you know, the year I spent writing that, I really spent a lot of time thinking about that whole concept of obsession with a celebrity or the image of a celebrity and. What happens if you know, if you do actually meet these people and i've I've met over the years writing music reviews and that sort of thing I've met a number of people um that I have admired from afar or had crushes on or whatever, and you know for the most part they're people uh and' mm-hmm. it's, it, you know it, it doesn't destroy the illusion or anything but suddenly when you when they're just people, it does take away some of that magic you know you're no longer in love with this image you have in your head it's like oh there's 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 a person
1: that <laughs> you um for, I will note for um, for the person who, again who my Brandy, a friend of mine, who commented on the blog that I'd forgotten Prince when I was talking about crushes. Um, I have met Prince in real life. He was not a real person. Prince was a magical being. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Prince, well, he's it, one of the exceptions yes, to the rule. Yes. <laughs>
1: Prince, Prince in real life is exactly that alien creature that you see on television
0: uh, I, I imagine bowie was
1: as well everything i've read yeah. about him anybody who knew him
0: like all the biographies that you've written all the interviews i've read anybody who knew him is like he was he was really nice he 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 really knew how to get the best out of me as a musician i don't think i knew him very well <laughs> yeah. and that's kind of an across the uh, across the board description of bowie from anybody who knew him. um
2: Well, I mean, one of the things that I think about a lot in terms of one of the potential dark side of crushes, and it's sort of related to what you're talking about, Wayne, except a little bit different, because even when it's just a fictional character, I consider my crushes useful in the sense that they often help me understand something about myself, like particularly when it's like teenage crushes and you're reading fan fiction or doing whatever, and that can help you understand kind of your gender identity and your sexuality and some really... which is can be particularly important for women, young women who have those things repressed by our society. At the same Mm -hmm. time, I do encounter this thing where at what point is the obsession useful and at what point is it crossing over into something less useful? At one point, are you kind of spinning your tires and it just becomes about the obsession Mm -hmm. itself and it's not really doing something for productive for you anymore. And that's something I've often struggled with when I'm sort of at the end of a fandom. I have kind
3: of two bits to add to this. The first bit
2: is character crushes are so
3: telling for finding out things about yourself. Also for finding out if the people you're surrounding yourself with aren't very great people. <laughs> like, and I'm serious because you know how, like we, we said earlier about my my love for Harley Quinn, and then I was for a very long period of time with someone who had Not not a not a crush, but a I want to be this person with the Joker. That really came to fruition. That that whole dynamic really ended up coming out. And now it's literally become a meme to make fun of people who glamorize and sexualize, like old school Harley Quinn Joker dynamic, because it's so telling that they're like, oh. I love toxic relationships and have no respect for anyone, including myself.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: It's very well, telling. Well, yeah, I sometimes when you are having those fandom conversations and you're kind of getting to know somebody sort of, that you know, they're fan fiction and then you kind of get to know them. And that can be a very kind of weird dynamic because so much of themselves is revealed in their story and their interpretation of. A relationship between characters or something. And then you end up, you're basically having like a meta textual conversation about your crushes when you start like sort of sharing stories and stuff. But that can get you into some definitely weird territory yeah. in terms of what's being exposed about people.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm, I'm remarkably polyamorous and fickle in my fictional crushes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm kind of boringly <laughs>
2: predictable, but like, yeah
1: unfortunately i wonder though i mean to look at brooklyn's thing on the opposite side like you're talking about the you know the negative side uh, of glamorizing a toxic relationship however is there an aspect of that where you know wayne we've said on the show before that you know part of fiction is learning to view you know usually we're talking about kinds of people that you won't you won't meet in real life but is there a positive to the point that If you can look at the Joker relationship with Harley and say, this is not good, does that on some level help you examine your own relationships and say, wait a minute. Yeah, I'm doing this too. I think it can, absolutely.
3: If you have the ability to remove yourself from the delusion and the fantasy of it, as we were talking about how like people go crazy over their celebrity crushes, that's that same kind of delusion. If you have enough self-analysis to detach yourself from a situation and analyze how are you reacting to it or why are you obsessed with this person slash relationship? If you have that ability to be self-reflective, then yes, it can be helpful. But mm-hmm. if you lack that ability, that's when you get into creepy stocky territory or modeling your life relationships after terrible book and comic book characters.
2: Mm-hmm. And I think that that's very similar to what I'm what I'm saying too, in terms of like when is the obsession no longer useful? Right. Absolutely. Right. Because it's like when is it helping you learn something about yourself, and when is it not?
3: Mm-hmm. when are you enabling yourself by by fantasizing over mm-hmm. a character in some manner mm-hmm.
2: and like yeah, i mean absolutely. it sounds like so stereotypical but i mean like to what extent is like fantasy replacing reality and to what extent is fantasy sort of informing reality right and that can be very different
3: mm-hmm. absolutely i i I mean i see a little bit of the stereotypical but i i, I think you're completely spot on with it and and very accurate with it like there are so many people that i know because i work in a high school now which is hysterical all in itself (laughs) there's so many high schoolers who to them things like stalking and obsession And creating yourself into either a character or the presentation of a person you see online. Like, those are all things Mm -hmm. that are generally positive to them. I had a student look at me one time and say, hey, like, tell me about yourself. And I was like, "Mm, no, I'm good. I'm I'm (laughs) at my job. You wouldn't want people to ask you personal questions at your job. She's like, yes, I would. That means they like me. I was
1: like, what? (laughs) Hello? Hello? (laughs) And <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, it, it's probably not a simple answer, right? Because I'm, I'm just thinking this through. Um, and one of the other comments that we that we talked about uh, on the blog and you, you pointed out the and you, we mentioned it briefly here, being, you know, having a crush on Bowie is, you know, there's the Bowie girl and being the Bowie girl where you, (laughs) where you want to both be that person and crush on them. And like you mentioned like ever so briefly here, that like part of that's about discovering your sexuality. But also I think if you look at the part where you're looking at the Joker Harley relationship as part of it, sort of discovering things about your own relationship, I'm thinking about, um, I, I have, I have run into people who are, uh, the polite way to say this would be homophobic, <laughs> but people, people who are, you don't have to be
2: polite about that, yeah,
1: <laughs> vehemently anti-gay people who are where I'm normally like, you know, fuck you. Like you're a horrible person. And then like, I've seen people, you know, go on and on and on about fag this fag that anti this, anti that. And, you know, and, you know, use the bathroom that you've, were assigned at birth blah, blah 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 blah, and then be like but i really like bowie you know yeah, <laughs> or, yeah. or, or yes but prince rocks you know like that is a there is a point where okay at least there's a little bit of a crack in your armor here yeah. like there's yeah. something yeah. i've actually heard back
0: um the and i'm blanking on his name lead singer of judas priest um rob halford um you came came out as gay and you know, he there were like, I remember here you know, so many of the the fans of, of Judas Priest that were just that Uber masculine, you know, persona or whatever, you no one knowing that all of the leather and studs and whatnot was signifiers of an underground mm-hmm. gay scene. Um and I I actually heard some uber masculine fans try to explain it in a way that he was so, so overly masculine that there was no room for the feminine in his life at all.
2: <laughs>
0: like, wow, what a really backhanded, weird way to be homophobic you <laughs> <laughs> like you you, you mm-hmm. still you're still a fan you still want to be a fan of this guy even though he now represents something you can't stand or that threatens you mm-hmm. you 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 well, somehow still have to justify great. it
3: people that that are I, I guess not both ways i guess it's just in more entertaining ways that, than you think because there are the people that are homophobic or transphobic and they follow lgbtq musicians and then there's also the people who are so vehemently against, like, abusers, but they, like, praise NFL players. And you're like, uh...
0: ah! The blind spots that that so many people have. (laughs) And when I say so many people, I probably have them as well.
2: Well, yeah, I mean, it gets you sort of towards just ways of reading the popular and sort of, you know, the kind of John Fisk version of reading the popular where, you know, popular audiences aren't dumb, they're productive, they're creative, (laughs) and then the fact that they're creative is positive. But there are so many examples wherein the fact that they're taking creative readings from a popular text (laughs) is not positive because sometimes people like read, yeah, like an LGBTQ performer as not that, or they can Mm -hmm. be homophobic and use their creativity to kind of work through that without actually changing any of their perceptions so like that creativity Mm -hmm. of popular audiences can cut both ways Mm
1: -hmm. you could also go there's i mean there's a whole school of you know cultural studies where we can look at the ways in which i'm gonna say say the incel community right now demonizes anything that would be even remotely feminist because oh my god this is dude and then um, you know, privileges the hyper masculine to such an extent that you that there's almost no re- way to read it except for latent homosexual sexual yeah. urges. Yeah. <laughs> like there's, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. I, I mean, I the, going back, I, I wrote a whole blog a while ago about um, about people essentially demonizing um, um, Captain Marvel, um, Brie Larson, and saying, "Oh, she can't act." And it's like she won an Oscar. Like literally six months ago, <laughs> you know, she, like she, you might not like the movie. You might not like her politics. She, you can't say she can't act. She's literally the best actress in the world right now, but okay. And then they were, and then like I, I, I followed a thread. Um, never read the comments online. I do it so you don't have to. Um, but I followed a thread where people were sitting there and arguing about how the problem with Brie Larson is that she, you know, she can't be Captain Marvel because she has no ass and in order to prove it the person posted a picture of brie larson in her superhero costume next to tom holland in his superhero costume and talked about how much better tom holland's butt was than brie larson's and i'm like i'm okay if you really feel that what are you arguing here exactly? <laughs>
3: you know, like, like, I think they're arguing that to Tom Holland's got a great butt. I don't know.
1: I mean, I mean, our, I agree. Our, our, Tom Holland has a great ass. However, I'm comfortable saying that. I don't think that's what you really mean to be saying. But, uh, but, it, but it is. I mean, there's no other way to read it. You're essentially saying I think he's hotter. And. Well, uh, okay. and there's, there's
2: no, there's no. I mean, you could do definitely a whole podcast on people's mm. expectations on what physically embodied superhero characters should look like, and the particular impossibility mm. of that. For I did a conference paper about the casting of Gal Gadot before the Wonder Woman movie came out, and kind yes, of I have even so with, many thoughts. Even <laughs> within feminist communities, there was just so much debate mm-hmm. about what body they wanted her to have. And Mm -hmm. I mean, it's just nobody could decide. And even you would have things like people would be talking about Linda Carter, Wonder Woman, and people couldn't even decide on the verbs to describe her body. Some Mm -hmm. people saw her as pinups. Some people saw her as strong, like people couldn't even agree on whether you could describe her as having muscles like there's i mean it's just weird, every it's it's so political
1: right yeah there's also some weird haze of memory there because well, linda carter when she got cast as wonder woman was skinnier than gal gadot was when she got cast as wonder woman and if you don't believe me go look at pictures of them out of costume and, like, they they had very similar backgrounds except that I gal gadot put up a
4: picture of, of yeah, I sh- yeah i showed
1: yeah i showed them in your class yeah and people were yeah. like wait a minute that's that's it, you don't necessarily remember it but you know but also, Gal Gadot was like special forces military. Like, she can kick your ass, yeah, okay?
3: She, <laughs> That's, that was the thing. Mm. I, I vote 100% that you do an, an entire episode on superheroes from comic book translated into... Normal on-screen media and then recasting them 752 times because I'm sure there's a lot of people with
2: opinions
3: and I think that'd be an awesome episode.
2: Well, I certainly. Ideas. Yeah, I mean the comic book character crush thing is like a whole thing too. I mean, I'm mm-hmm. sure you guys have thoughts on that. Like
1: Illya oh, Rasputin, mine. <laughs>
2: well, that's a good. That's a good choice. I mean, I've said you know I've got a few like Silver Surfer, Daredevil, inexplicably Hal Jordan, which I. Can't can't offend in any way. and you know, it's there. <laughs> but but um, I, I just I have a thing for like, you know, like Mimbo guys. I don't know. Like dumb jock guys. <laughs> I don't know. I, nonetheless I, heroic.
0: I, I did with Rogue when she first appeared. And then when she became a, a big haired, big bosomed, mm. whatever, I, I kind of lost interest. Um, mm. But yeah. don't you
2: find that with comic book character crutches, there's a particular kind of character to it in the sense that especially with something that's like serialized over such a long period of time, like a superhero comic. Like I feel like I know Daredevil on like mm-hmm. a deeper level than I know,
0: like any of my other fictional crushes. Yeah, or, like or I people, have
2: a sense of ownership yeah. over him. That is
0: intense. I I have, yes, longer term relations with comic book characters than I do. Real people in my life. They've been more consistent. Yeah, see, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and, and yeah, and, and there is, there's that sense of, I know Clint Barton better than I do. Some friends I hang out with. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and and you know, aware that that changes with writers and and time and and all that stuff yeah. except
1: for that there's ownership there too right that's entirely yeah. part of like oh absolutely the, the, Absolutely, and I know this. Yeah, I know this for a fact. For, with Wayne, especially because the difference between, like, probably my biggest crush is easily Ilyana Raspian. Um Like, uh, just, uh, but like, looking at you, just at Clint Barton, I've heard Wayne complain about certain people's writing yes, about yes. Hawkeye, and 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 what he really means is. You are not writing the story that's in my head. Stop Um, making it hard for me to be in love with Hawkeye. I want to be in love with Hawkeye. Leave me alone. And And, and, you're not writing my Hawkeye. You're not writing. You're not writing exactly the person. Like you've written something that makes it hard for me to fictionalize this person in my head the way I want them to be. Well, I shouldn't. I I don't want to say perfect because what you love about Hawkeye is him being. So imperfect, right? Like that's that's the dream of Hawkeye, right? And yeah, tragically flawed, as, um, yeah. Yeah. as, as Brooklyn said. And same thing, same thing with Ilyana. Ilyana is like you know everything. About her to me is like, look, this lost little girl fell into a magic hole and had to had to raise herself as a child and raised herself into a fuck <laughs> in hell into a fucked up <laughs> adult. I love this. This, this means it means so much to me. And when people don't, you know, and there's parts that you know, people have written stories about her that have made lots of sense to me. And then are people have written stories where they're like, I'm like, that's not that's not how she would be. Yeah how do I know, <laughs> you know, <laughs> but, but
2: it's, it totally it's funny a, though. Yeah. Like, I mean, I just, I, I, again, it would be sort of enough for a whole other episode in itself, but I mean, it's just the particular way that kind of, I, I feel like for me, part of that sense of ownership that develops over a superhero character kind of has to do with all the different writers and especially artists that have worked on the character. You, mm-hmm. cause I, I do a thing where if somebody's drawing Daredevil and I don't think that they're drawing him the way I want him to be drawn, it's like, I almost squint and change it. You know, like, I mean, you, you have such a because comic books, you know, they're talked about as a uniquely participatory medium and that kind of stuff mm-hmm. that, you know, yeah. engenders very strong kind of, you know, reader engagement. Absolutely. And I mean, definitely, I think that that feeds into having a crush on a comic book superhero, because I often find that my crush on a comic book superhero doesn't translate into the live action version of that superhero. Yeah.
0: If the casting's wrong. Yeah.
2: In general for me. Oh, really? Yeah. Mm mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, although you gotta say Anya Taylor Joy
1: playing Ilyana is, is perfect. So that, that's perfect choice. It's literally perfect casting. She looks exactly like she should. Uh, um, yeah. I mean, again <laughs> and again, we've not seen this movie yet. Could be terrible. It's, could be. It's gonna be it's gonna be the next movie of the year. I have it on
0: our our our, our game yeah, in our box right. office. <laughs> we're
1: I've, had doing, we're,
0: I've had it for two years now. <laughs> we're doing pulling, I'm pulling for it, but life. I don't yeah. have
1: high hopes. Oh yeah, no, we're area. doing an episode <laughs> devoted to it, no matter what, when it comes out. But, uh, <laughs> but <laughs> I don't, yeah, yeah uh, but I mean that's that, and that's an interesting, you know. So the reason I made I brought up Eliana and said the dibs was because I know Wayne also likes the character, and <laughs> like. But is there really a fight? No, because he likes the Ilyana in his head and I like the Ilyana in my head. Right. Right. <laughs> right. It's, not, exactly. it's not, you know, it, it's not, it's not, again, she has no agency. She's a fictional character. So there's, so the only thing that matters is the way in which I idealize her, you know, so.
2: Ooh, it matters though, because, you know, when you think about things like adaptations and stuff, and I really am not a fan of the Netflix Daredevil show. And so, mm-hmm. like, I find myself kind of like fighting with people who do like it because it's not my version of Daredevil because the one that I have this intense crush on is not being like done the way I want so that's why you get all those you know like what is authentic and what is not and what mm-hmm. is a good adaptation and what is not.
1: Yeah and and that's like the adaptation thing we, we we mentioned if you go back to our Harry Potter episode we talked very briefly about the the people who were upset when suddenly in the play version, Hermione was black. And then there were other people who were upset because they read the book before the movies came out. And it's like, I thought Hermione was black. What are you talking about? And, and there, there really is a, you know, so much of what we do with non live action fiction is interpretive of our own, you know, putting so much of our own imagination into it. You know, I'm sure there's a Benjamin argument in there somewhere. (laughs) (laughs) I think we've resolved nothing. We're yeah, we've resolved nothing.
2: <laughs> <laughs> we never do. I could, keep, I could keep talking about this for eight hours.
1: Yeah, yeah that's the thing. Um, yeah, that's always that's, that's always the case. I, I don't know. I don't know that there's a way to resolve it. I, I think it's an, I think it's a weird thing that I, I don't know what even the actual problem is. Like I like I
0: enjoy your crushes. Don't stalk people
1: yeah well well here's what in in just on my because the one thing we didn't get to that i that i brought up was that i find fascinating about the celebrity crushes which doesn't usually cross over into the um into the fictional crosses with the uh, but you know you never know the hall pass phenom- phenomenon where people are like oh here's my list of five celebrities i'm allowed to sleep with and i and it's like it's almost a mainstream thing where people are like, oh, yeah, totally. You can cheat on our marriage. Yeah, yeah, you, I saw that reference on,
0: on the last 10 minutes of Will and Grace last week, which I wasn't watching. Just happened to come on while I was looking for something else.
1: an episode but, of Friends. It was on yeah. Legends of Tomorrow. It's, it, it, yeah. it's a common thing. And, and I know people who do it in real life. Your
3: celebrity hall pass is more than like one person long. Just have a nice conversation
1: about polyamory. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, and that's that's the thing. It's a, so, and I think this is the reason I wanted to bring it up was because I think that that is even that is the sort of examining something about yourself that that Anna was saying, right? Like if you if you have a crush on a same sex person, but you otherwise consider yourself straight, and I'm and by and by crush I mean like whether you're like even for the thing with me, like where I say you know oh i don't i'm not in love with prince i just want to be him no you have issues that you need to work through young chris (laughs) young mav has to work through certain issues and is learning things about himself okay so that's fine right and but if you have um if you have if you are monogamously married but you have a list of five celebrities that like you're just allowed to fuck if you meet them OK, this means that maybe you're not like you're essentially uh, allowing the fantasy to take, you know, the fantasy aspect of them not being real to take you somewhere that you're not. And I think that that, again, is allowing you to examine things about yourself that isn't. And,
0: and, and your relationship with the other person.
3: to be Like, man, if I saw this celebrity, I would like I, I you brought up how friends approach this. Like, would you just uh, would you honestly look at a real human person? Just because you've seen them in a couple movies and be like, hey, my wife said it's cool if we frick frack. Can we do that now? (laughs) Would you you honestly do that? Like, what is the point? I I think
0: for, for most people, it's just it's a fantasy within the relationship they're in.
1: The only time that ever came up for me is um, we when we were watching a movie, uh, a group of like ten people, and we we're, we're hanging out watching some movie at my house. At some point, and it was a movie where they did the whole thing where I've got a list, and my list is these five people. And after it was over, someone started the question of, you know, well, who would be on your list? Who are you? and I was like, I don't want to play this game, and it's like, oh, it's fun. So we're like, I I pick Johnny Depp. I pick. You know, Britney Spears. So I literally picked the five women in the room. <laughs> I was like, I was like if I'm gonna crazy. play this game, why, why play it this way? You're doing it wrong. <laughs> like,
3: That's like the um. So so, hall passes. People love to do that with with their sexuality all the time. Th- where like guy friends, oh, guy <laughs> friends do it all the time. They'll be like, "Man, if I was into men, I'd totally hook up with my buddy Chad." And you're like, "Yeah, why don't you hook up with Chad then?" Like,
1: wait, <laughs> no. yeah, nobody, nothing stopping <laughs> so you. Being,
3: so being in the position I'm in, where I am very comfortable in my sexuality, I get in these weird situations where people are like, "Oh, like." look at how weird and funny it is that these two guys hug so much you should go hug up on that girl and I'm like no I'm in a monogamous relationship and that's a different game for me and they're like no one's not gay isn't real and I'm
2: like I don't like you I don't know what you're saying can I ask you guys a question that's sort of related to where this conversation has gone and I know that sure. we're almost out of time but I wanted to know whether you had a crush that you do feel like guilty about and hopefully not in a super problematic creepy Way, but you know, hopefully in some kind of way, hopefully funny. I had a crush on XJ9, aka Jenny
3: from my life as a teenage robot. Ooh. So that's weird. That is the that is the strangest crush I've ever had. She was a Nickelodeon cartoon character, and I was like, a <laughs> teenage robot 10 out of 10. She's great. I love her. <laughs>
2: <laughs> like, she was, that sounds like guilty, don't not don't guilty. I like angry. that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
1: I'm not guilty but, about any of mine. I mean, like, yeah, I, mean, I, I, I they're weird ones. Like I said, I mean, Little Mermaid. I said in I said in the, I, said in the <laughs> I, 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 I said on the blog, I would totally fuck Babs Bunny. <laughs> or Lola, I said no. Lola, 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 bunny. Actually, Babs bunny too. From from Tiny Toons. I think that's really interesting thing. But like, see, absolutely, without a doubt, I'm not Bugs bunny, but, that. Bugs Bunny, but only when he's cross dressing. Yes.
4: That's a good one.
1: <laughs> yeah. I'm not even kidding. It's like Lola Bunny. Yeah. If you if you don't if you're if you don't think Lola Bunny's hot, hot, something's wrong with you. I don't know.
2: <laughs> well, I I funnily enough, I'm a huge NBA fan, and I only watch space jam for the first time like two years ago like i missed it mm-hmm. growing up even though it was advertised incessantly i was not exactly the demo for it mm-hmm. but um i was just shocked at how sexualized she was <laughs> i was just like <laughs> what yeah. the yeah. hell yeah, yeah. like the literally like,
1: kids movie guys there's no other point to her other than you are supposed to like you were supposed to watch that movie at age like nine or whatever and and then suddenly discover things that's what she's there for <laughs> you're supposed to go i feel funny this is weird whether you're male or female cool. cis straight hetero um, gay trans i don't care you're supposed to look at lola bunny and go things are happening yeah. <laughs> oh
2: yeah for sure well i'll tell you my somewhat guilty one because it's funny i sure. like got back into watching NBA about five years ago after a long hiatus after I personally quit playing basketball, which is a long story. but um so you know Steph Curry kind of got me back into basketball and he's very crush honorable. So I had a hilarious sex dream about him. In which we were kind of in like a Regency romance, like we were in costumes, it was Ooh. a whole Jane Austen type of thing. Nice, and we were having an affair, yeah. and it was very, and I mean, I think problematic because there's like a racial angle there with you know, like <laughs> that I'm not comfortable with, so I think I felt guilty <laughs> on that level, but um, also part of the dream was that I was having this affair with him. And then within the dream, I was like, oh, my God, I'm such a bad person. He's got such a nice family. And that's like when I woke up. i wouldn't i wouldn't quite let myself have a sex dream about steph curry i tried and yet my combination of like monogamy guilt and white guilt couldn't quite get me there
1: because he has a nice family though uh, I, love, I love that that was the issue that really broke <laughs>
2: super hot but i'm not i'm not a homewrecker that's horrible
1: <laughs> oh so on that note i think that's a good one.
4: <laughs> yeah. One out of 10 ending.
1: Uh Brooklyn and Anna, thank you both for joining us for this. This is this has great. Been great. A lot of fun. Super,
2: super fun, guys. Again, I could go on for eight hours. Yeah, well, I'm
1: I'm sure. I'm sure there will be more opportunities. Let's see if anybody anybody comments on anything. Um Brooklyn. I anywhere mean, people can find you for anything more interesting intriguing conversation like this
3: <laughs> um i am on instagram as pittsburgh shenanigans if you don't know how to spell oh, it look minute. it up
1: It didn't used to be that.
3: No, it used to be Pittsburgh shit. But I'm doing. uh, I'm going to do an exciting project this summer with that Instagram, and I want to make sure that I can get children involved with it without getting fired from a public school district.
2: (laughs) (laughs) So
1: that will be linked in the show notes. And Anna,
2: um, you can find my writing about various things just by googling me. I'm pretty Googleable. Um, and I am also on another podcast where we talk about comic books kind of within an academic context. It is called Three Panel Contrast. You can find it wherever you find your podcasts.
1: Mm-hmm. and linked in the show notes
0: and Wayne I since I mentioned my book earlier you can find me on Amazon look, mm-hmm. look me up there uh the book I referred to very specifically in this episode was is called this creature fair which title comes from a Bowie song mm-hmm. um and uh and I have other things there as well but uh yeah look me up on Amazon yeah
1: and there's a lovely cover of a man inside of a woman's mouth but not in the way that it sounds like (laughs) (laughs) that's what the cover is that's what the cover is (laughs) but much much more work safe than it sounds
0: although parts of the book are not work safe so there you
1: go Um, let's see you can find me on Twitter at Chris Maverick or on my blog at www.chrismaverick.com you can follow the show on Twitter or Facebook or Instagram all the places at Vox Popcast you can follow the show's blog at www.voxpopcast.com where you learn about what we're talking about next week and the week after that we've got some really cool ideas coming up you can leave comments so that we can address Dress them on the show like we did today. You can give us ideas for what we should talk about on more shows. Do you want to hear some of the really crazy ideas that we've talked about, about like sexualizing superheroes? Let us know. (laughs) Please subscribe to us on iTunes or Stitcher or Spotify or wherever the hell else you get podcasts from and do us a favor. Leave us a five-star review, especially on iTunes. If you leave us a review and write something that, tweaks the algorithm makes us more famous helps other people find the show and I will personally have a crush on you that's right I promise that is something that I am willing to promise that I'll do but you won't know that you can just assume when you listen to the show <laughs> yeah I'm talking to you <laughs> yeah, that's, that's how that works Um, I would like to thank Maximilian of ThoughtMore Music for our epic theme song building ever so more epically and playing us out I'd like to thank our guests once more for coming I'd like to thank Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time. Bye.
3: There's the girl that I like. Hey, Stan, tell about when Terrence caught up a testicle-shitting rectal voice. Now more than ever, she gives me butterflies. It makes my stomach queasy every time she walks by. her. I'm talking to you. I know I can be cool <laughs> if I try.